Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Ankh Few. As always, this is Ankh and I'm joined by Few, who both of us now are coming at you from frigid uh, portions of the Midwest. I'm coming from Metro Detroit. Uh, Few I'm coming is from in, uh, frozen Chiberia out here. Chiberia slash, let's not, let's, let's give it its props, the murder <laughs> capital of the world. We can't forget to throw that in. But Siberia, Chirac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're not here to talk about murders in Chicago today, although, you know, it is one of our although favorite what a, what a, recurring what a themes. Plentiful, what a plentiful topic. <laughs> yes. You know, actually, we should have a show about that, because I know we touched on that once when you talked about how one of your neighbors was, you know, robbed at gunpoint and also how somebody got strangled in the alley behind your place but yeah believe, good times yeah believe it or not we're here <laughs> to talk about a, a topic that is intended to have a little bit of levity associated with it so forgive that uh, misdirection or sleight of hand or three card monty at the top of the show so i got to tell you my favorite actor is eugene levity that guy is so good in best in show so good in american pie he's a really his eyebrows he's like groucho marx eugene levity uh, I'd laugh, but I don't get it because I'm not sure who that is. Is he, he was, is he the dude with the big eyebrows in American yeah. Pie? Yes. That's, he's the dad in American Pie. And his real name is what? Eugene Levy. Yeah. That's what I figured. I figured it was Levy, not Levity. So I actually did get it. So let's rewind this. Let's rewind this. Erase that part. And I'll go. <laughs> that was excellent, Brendan. This is the greatest podcast Ever. Yes. I know that Tim Ferriss right now is calling his agent saying, we got to compete we with these unkfew clowns. These unkfew guys. They're crushed. We should write a book. We should write a book straight to Tim Ferriss. Yes, we should. It'll be called the 69-hour work week, in which we, in which we show how to be as inefficient and as unsuccessful as possible in as many different areas of life as we can. I think we do well in that, don't you? How can you maximize efforts and minimize results? <laughs> exactly. Work work around the clock underneath the bridge. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. That is <laughs> I really man, we should actually come out with a we should this that should be the adjunct product to this podcast is a book <laughs> that describes how to actively do that. <laughs> yes, I think we'd have a, a massive audience for that. But we're not here to talk about you know, murder in Chicago or how to minimize your life's results or, or, or how bad the weather is where the two of us live. Instead, we're here to talk about, um, Brennan, I mean, actually, this is your idea, so why don't you tee it up? Yeah. Well, so, like, here's the idea, basically. Uh, you know, it's on Unkview, a lot of the time we can get into, and we don't shy away from getting into heavy topics like uh, politics and uh, infinity and science and God and all of this, but uh, those things can be kind of heavy. And I think we've tried to make an effort, I think recently, to be a little more lighthearted and try to, you know, produce some stories that we that we basically like and and we find entertaining and that inform sort of our lives and our fun. And I um I thought it would be a fun just be, due to the time of year. I thought it would be a fun thing to talk about sort of Christmas stories and. Christmas stories that we recall growing up and sort of maybe the greatest things that you got for Christmas or, or that, you know, your, some of your favorite or, or maybe melodramatic moments from Christmas past. And I, that was basically the idea. There wasn't really much 
more to it than that. And, uh, you know, as the audience of, as, as all four or five of them know, uh, we, we, we really don't prepare for this kind of thing. So I just thought I would, uh, I would sort of just lead with, with that idea. And then, um, I mean, I can go into some of mine or I, I've got a couple of memories that come up particularly and uh, and I can, I, I thought, you know, just, just starting there would kind of be a, a, a decent place to, to begin. Sounds good. So uh, you clearly had some stuff in mind when you suggested it. So let's go with what you have and let's see where it takes us. Well, my greatest, so here's the, here's the, here's where I'm going to start. My greatest Christmas moment, the single greatest moment I've ever had for, for a Christmas is when I was six years old and I got a super fucking Nintendo. Did they actually I woke call up it, on Christmas. Did they actually call it Super Fucking Nintendo back then? <laughs> if you were cool, that's what you called it. <laughs> and it was that was that fucking with an apostrophe at the end, or was there a G there? It was. It was uh, an apostrophe. You know what? You. It was however you wanted to roll oh, with okay. your Super Fucking Nintendo because that was yours. That's awesome. It was your. It was your Super Fucking Nintendo. I woke up on Christmas morning, and I walked out. I walked out into the family room on the old. Do you remember the old house that my parents owned on Indian Creek Drive? I do. Uh, I do. It had yeah, like a little. It had, it had a, like a little creek running behind it where there were frequently like ducks. Yeah, there was ducks and and homeless people. Yeah, you, you, and home there was ducks. There was home. There was ne'er do well children. There were homeless people. We tried to make a fort down there. Used to try to. We used to dare each other to try to go into the drainage pipe. And how far could you go in before you got creeped out and had to run out? There was that was the that was, it was a real white trash uh, Christmas. But let me tell you, this this Christmas I'm talking about was not white. Actually, it was. It was still garbage blanc. It was quite garbage blanc. <laughs> but but this Christmas, I was six years old, and the Super Nintendo had come out, and I was in love. I don't think I've ever. I never had a. That was my first boner. Your and first boner was over a super fucking Nintendo? Yeah. Okay. Hey, don't ask so surprised, Uncle Mike. <laughs> there's such, a, there's such a, a psychoanalysis tangent that we should be going off on right now, but I'm not going to interrupt your flow. No. So I got up in the morning and walked out, and I did not know what Santa had brought for me. I walked out. I rounded the, the corner. We used to have this. So if you can imagine the way that my house used to work is you would walk into the front door. It was a ranch or what? Some people in the mid-United States would call a rambler. It was a one-story house. Is that a term? And that's a, that's a real... To some people, I think I, under a certain IQ level, no one knows what people call a one-story house. But you would walk into this house, and on the left hand... In front of you was the dining room, and on the right-hand side... I mean, you were on a landing, and on the right-hand side was the entrance to the kitchen, and then the greater living room, and the house, and then... If you walked forward into the dining room and made a quick left, you would go down the hallway, which would lead to all of the rooms of the house. But if you turned to your left through the entryway on the left-hand side was the kind of, I don't know what we would call it. It was just kind of the, it eventually became the computer room, but this was in an era before, you know, normal, everybody owned a computer. Not everybody had a computer back then, back in 1992, which is when this was occurring. And so I had to round the corner and then see the Christmas tree, which is where we kept it, which was right in that little kind of nook space next to my dad's gun cabinet, uh, which is 
you know, sort of the, that's by the way, a function of many Michigan households is wherever the gun cabinet is. It's pretty much the most important room in the house. So, uh, just, to, just to, just to interrupt briefly, will there be a quiz regarding the architecture and the floor plan at the end of the podcast? <laughs> if you can draw, I would, we have a reward for you. If you can draw a floor plan of my house that corresponds with reality, I will personally buy you uh, Ned, this is not including my uncle. I will personally buy you a $20 Starbucks gift card. I will send it to you. We'll get you on the podcast and you can describe how you were able to using only the faintest of clues, discern the floor plan of my house. And you, you've got to be working for the CIA. And if you're not, you should be because, you know, you, you've got a talent, sir or madam. I don't know who's going to do it. Right. Right, well, wait, 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 whoa, slow down, cowboy, girl, slash, <laughs> uh, whatever the, the mashup of those two thoughts is. Let's not forget <laughs> transgenders. So I just want to, yes. I'm already offended, and we're like barely into this thing. So if this well, is, well, I'm, whoa, I'm sorry, I'm in a 1992. It. If you're going to keep talking like this, <laughs> I'm organizing a protest, I'm going to my safe space. And there's going to be some serious Play-Doh and coloring book shit going down in a matter of minutes. So I just want, I just want to be clear about these things. <laughs> All right. I'm in a 1992. Here's the disclaimer. I'm in a 1992 state of mind, and that was an era before trans was a real thing. I mean, there were, there were maybe trans people, but we didn't talk about them. I love it that wasn't song from Billy it Joel, was. 1992 State of Mind. That was awesome. <laughs> so anyway, so 1992, not everybody had a computer. You you you've described the architecture, the floor plan of yep. your parents' home at the time. You get the idea. And, yeah, you're starting and, to get and, the sense. And you you've got your first boner. I think I've caught everybody up to speed. Oh, and you and you insulted every transgender on the planet. Now, pick it up from there. Okay, got it. So I was 6 years old. I was already hating on trans people. That was that's true. And I was waking up from of a of, of very light sleep because it's Christmas morning. Right. And I woke up, walked down the hallway, hands in my pants, playing pocket pool as the six-year-old wants well, to, you said you had a want boner, to do. So. Well, I didn't get the boner until I saw the Christmas tree and all of the Christmas presents. Okay. So, but here's what was strange about that Christmas, about the Christmas in 1992. You, when I rounded the corner and I saw that tree there, I saw underneath it, there was only, there was one big present, but there was only a handful of small other presents. So my sister would always, and this is to, even true today, got way more gifts than I did for Christmas. Now, my parents always contended that they bought, they spent more money on me, uh, but they bought her more shit. And I don't know if that's, I mean, you know, it's not a contest, but I kind of feel like I, I'm not sure who was winning it. Well, what, you know what, I mean? what they told the rest of the family was that she was their favorite. So maybe that had something to do with it. <laughs> Oh, I'd love to say that that came as a surprise to hear. <laughs> was a, I used to have a joke where I this was I started doing this when I was in Paris. I'd get up on stage and talk about Kaylee and I visited Scotland, which is a whole other story that I won't go on right now. But we visited Scotland together, and I was like, it's the most time I've ever spent with my sister because growing up we were very different. Because I'm the oldest and the boy, and she's the favorite, and they love her more. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Anyway, I rounded the corner and I saw this Christmas tree 
And underneath it was this big package, and I was like, oh, shit. And that's when I got, that's when the boner happened. That's the big, that sounds like the climax of this story, but it's not. That was the crisis point. That was the moment of choice. I saw, I was, what am I going to do? Am I going to open this pa- package, or am I just going to sit here staring at it like a six-year-old? With a hard on. And, and, and with a hard on. <laughs> right. Because that is awkward, you know, for some people. I, don't, I mean, again, I don't know how your parents reacted. Or were they still asleep? <laughs> They, they were, uh, I, well, my dad was drinking by that point. And, um, actually, he, I think he started uh, he, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot <laughs> before that, but go on. You're right. He started, he started drinking about six years before this. Right. Exactly. And, that. <laughs> <laughs> six year old hard on is the name of my next comedy album. There's no way I have to get well, see the, so good. Wait, I, you need to, you need to rethink that because. It, that's subject to misinterpretation because some people will hear that as a young lad with an erection. Others will yes. hear it as the best or worst case of Viagra malfunction of all time. Uh, yeah, so there, I think six-year-old hard-on has got to be the name of the album, but the, there's got to be a subtitle. And it's just, it's in the parentheses underneath and it says, no, comma, a young boy with, a, with right. an erection. Okay, we've cleared that up. <laughs> So I'm staring at this package, and I just did, I just I just dove in head first. I dove right into the pile of presents. I ripped open this package, and I saw a super fucking Nintendo, and it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. The package on the Super Nintendo was almost so beautiful. I didn't even want to open it. Wow. It was. It just was. It was the greatest nineteen. It was the greatest graphics a 1992 graphic designer could do it was just the it was the it was the photo of the super nintendo and there was two kids playing it and then on the back of the package was all of the photos of the games you could play on the super nintendo wow and it was like contra super mario world which came with the super nintendo that was the game that came with it and it was one of the greatest games that has ever i mean it's it's the greatest mario game that's ever been made that's true super mario 64 doesn't even hold a fucking candle to that game so it was, it was, I know not, I know this is all Greek to you. Like none of the, this is all, you're probably like, I don't get it. It's not even, even close to as exciting as an album from the boss or something like that. But as, when you're six years old and you see all of the video possibilities that could exist in your future right. with just a bunch of different, I mean, it was like, it was madness. It was, it was pure unbridled madness. I lost my mind. I think I, lo- I totally lost my mind. There's one photo, and if I can find it, if I can get my parents to, to send it to me or scan it, we need to put it up with the show notes. It's me in what can only be described as a look of utter euphoria, holding the Super Nintendo box, staring at my parents who are taking photos of me. I mean, you can see the, you can see the boner on my face. You can read the boner in my face. Well, did they comment on your sense? erection, or is that just left for the, for the viewer of the photo to discern how the family reacted to that? I think it was everyone's erection that Christmas morning. Wow. Now that should be the title of your next comedy show, Everyone's <laughs> Erection. It's Erection. <laughs> and that, the, that Christmas only got better because I... I plugged the Super Nintendo in, I started playing it, and then, uh, you know, Grandma grandma, and Grandpa came over and g- gave me two other games that they had purchased for me, and I was like, how did they know that Santa was going to bring 
a Super Nintendo. That's n- that's nuts. How did they know that? And that was your first. And, uh, that was your first like. That was your first thought into the realm of conspiracy theory. It all started with Santa. That was, no, I mean, here's the thing. I was so I was just so gullible. I was like, they just they must have got it wrong and just bought an Nintendo. They thought I they knew I owned a Nintendo and maybe they just tried to buy me a Nintendo game, but they bought a Super Nintendo game because Super is a better word than just no word there. It is and. And then they got it wrong, but it just was serendipity. That's what I thought. I was just like, this is just... Or maybe Santa used his Santa magic and tricked their brains uh, into knowing that I had it. I didn't... I, 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 I performed so many mental gymnastics, I could have gotten a standing ovation at the Olympics that year. Wow. That's impressive. I, you don't sound very impressed with this story. No, I'm just waiting for the punchline. So you got the thing out. You're super excited. It was the greatest Christmas ever. That's the punchline. Is that line. the whole story? That was. There's the, got to be like look, man. A, a house fire, or someone gets abducted, <laughs> or somebody gets shot, or your sister gets a handgun, or there's got to be some something else to this. Look, this isn't Christmas. This isn't Christmas porn. Okay, this is a this is a wholesome Christmas story. Okay, from. Mid America from the from Middle America. Wholesome. This is a beautiful. This is a beautiful story. This is a be- this is a beautiful story. I don't understand why you're trying to pervert this into something it isn't. Okay? Wholesome only in the way that a six year old with an erection can be. <laughs> okay, all right. So that's your first story, and uh, and just out of curiosity, did you go on to like use that game, you know, consistently for a long time, or? Was it like so So many gifts are for so many uh, six-year-olds where it's sort of a, you know, one day you love it and a week later it's just in the corner gathering dust? Or did, did you did you actually use this for a while? Oh, yeah. See, no, that's what I think is maybe the best. So ever, all the best Christmas gifts are the ones that just keep on, you know what I mean? You just keep using them. Right. And so this one, this one I used for years. I had I used that Super Nintendo until I sold it in middle school to my two Italian friends, Romeo and Giovanni, uh, in order to buy a PlayStation, uh, which is like a, tra- that's like trading up, right? you know? Right. And, uh, and to this day, I still regret selling it because it was like the greatest, I even regretted it as I did it. I, it was a, such a stupid decision because it was the great, I had so many games for it. I bought all the best, and, and you don't know this, but like all, every listener who hears this, who had a Super Nintendo will understand this, is that I had the greatest you know, games for this thing. I had Super Metroid. I had uh, Chrono Trigger. I had all uh, F Zero. I had all the greatest games, and I would play for hours. I would sit in the basement, just not learning social skills, playing these video games. Very effectively, and, uh, I would say. Very effectively. I, I mean, it did its job. I, 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 if you're a parent in the '90s, if you're a parent, and you're like, how do I prevent my kid from taking drugs or joining a gang? Which, as we know, was the greatest concern of white America back in that in that post-Reagan period of time, your, your answer was buying a Super Nintendo. You could just plug your kid into the Super Nintendo, put him downstairs in the basement, give him a towel, and, uh, a towel? and just some, you know... Yeah, give him a, 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 give him a, give him a towel. What's the Let towel him sit for? On it. It's for all kinds of things. You sit on it, you wrap it around yourself for warmth, you know, you, cl- you clean up a spill... So let's just backtrack here about 90 seconds because I have to ask uh, whatever happened to Romeo and Giovanni because the, the, they must have just gone through the most brutal 
bullying. Were they uh were they friends? Were they I mean, oh buddy. That let me let me let me tell you. They were brothers from Italy and they moved here in 6th grade and they were not only brothers, they were they were twins. They were, were Italian these twins. Were the actual people about whom the Super Mario Brothers game was based? Is that I, possible? We, we, well, look, let me tell you, there was wild speculation about that. Even back then? Uh, uh, yeah. We wondered, we, we thought, we, everybody called them Mario and Luigi or uh, Romeo and Juliet, which was, which was not accurate because they both had penises. None of, not, not, they were both Y-chromosomed, and that was an accurate comparison. Well, I, I, you know, I wrestled in high school, and I wrestled with those guys. Is so, that what you guys called it back know, then? We called it wrestling because that's what it was. It's an Olympic sport, and I don't think you should make fun of it. I'm not making fun of wrestling. I'm making fun of you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so you traded up to the PlayStation, and I, you know, I, I want to. I need to make a declaration here. I need full disclosure. I have never played what I would call a modern video game in my life, and that's not that's not to say that I'm not into video games. In fact, it's interesting, or maybe it's not interesting, but it's a fact. Back when I was in college which predates when any of this stuff, you know, was created. We, you know, we were just delighted when Fire and Wheel came out. Um, I used to play a couple of games. One was Pac-Man, and then its, then its successor, Ms. Pac-Man. And then there was another game, I think, called Stargate. And I loved them. This is back when you had to pay a quarter to play stuff. Another one was a tank-based game, a tank-based shooting game that was awesome. But I used to spend quite a lot of money at a at a local arcade. This was when I was going to college at Michigan State. But I do have an appreciation yeah. for these things. And ironically, and I swear to God this is true, about a week ago, I told someone that I was going to buy a modern video gaming system. And I actually did a bunch no. of research. And what I, de- what I determined was that I was not going to do that. And the reason I was not going to do that is because, like, what I really wanted was a, a really good driving game because, as I've mentioned, as we've talked about on previous podcasts, I totaled my real-life motorcycle and am probably not going to continue motorcycling because I now realize how easy it is to die on said machine. But I have a need for some you know, titillation of that nature. So I thought, you know, with today's games being what they are, so realistic, blah, blah, blah. So what I discovered, and I know this is old news to probably everyone listening, so sorry for this, but I mean, you can actually buy, I knew you could buy like real, like sort of very realistic steering wheels and gear shifts for oh, these yeah. games. What I didn't know is you can actually buy basically the whole car. Like you can buy this, you know, this like, I don't know how to describe it, like this thing that mimics a seat. Oh, yeah, totally. With, yeah, like you can buy a rumble seat. With like heptic and feedback. Like, uh, and you know, yeah. and and then your uh-huh. steering wheel and gear shift all fits onto that somehow. So basically, the thing sort of moves as you're driving. Which, and then once I priced it all out, it was like Jesus, this is this is outrageously expensive. I mean, you could you could actually buy a real motorcycle, a real used motorcycle, for the cost that you would invest to buy this fake shit. Have you yep. ever done that? Have you ever like used like a steering wheel and gear shift? Uh, 
I've never. I mean, in like for a racing game or something. Yeah. yeah I mean, I've kind. Of, I, I. I have. I mean, those kinds of things have existed for a while. I, the ones that exist now are far more sophisticated and a lot cheaper than the ones cheaper? that when I was younger. Yeah, cheaper. Because I mean, than like the ones that the steering wheel that I wanted to buy was. I think it was four hundred bucks. All right. Well, hold on. Let me back. Let me back up. Okay, so the basic, so the barrier to entry is a lot lower, meaning that if you were like, okay, I just want a rumble seat and a steering wheel and a gear shift, you could probably go out and get that stuff for, I don't know, all in a hundred bucks. Oh, yeah, no, it's way more than that now. Yeah, 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 but it would be, but here's the thing, the curve on it is, it's similar to like anything else. It's like, uh, you know, we talk about like um, recording equipment or... Like your microphone, you're using the you have that Rode uh, podcaster mic, right? And it's like super good. It was like three hundred bucks or something. Yeah, I do. And it, it, yeah, it, so I have. Yeah. yeah, so I'm using a I think a Behringer just uh, basic dynamic range mic is like twenty dollars. And like, I mean, obviously you have better audio than I do, but like the curve on that audio is 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 different. Like it's not like my mic is so awful that people can't understand what I'm saying or something. Or it's like ruining the podcast or something. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's generally just the, the things so, that you say that ruin the podcast. Exactly. It's the content of the, it's not the tone. It's not the way the content is delivered. It's just the, it's I'm awful. And the mic is just a conduit. It's really projecting my awfulness very accurately into this podcast. Yes. I guess what I'm exactly trying to say. Exactly that. Yes. So no, I do get, I do get what you're, off, I do get what you're saying. There's very little awfulness that's la- that's lost in static. <laughs> right. It's the fidelity on your lack of talent is amazing. Yes, that's, that's profoundly correct. <laughs> so, so I'm sorry, I took us off track, and I take full responsibility for that. Let's get back on track with our Christmas story. So, the question I well, no, 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 this is this is important to talk about oh, is because it? here's the thing. Yeah, because you know, so so the idea is like now this is like gaming now. Like you got to understand, like get video gaming now. Like the fact that you're looking at a thing, and you're like, oh, it's four hundred bucks for the steering wheel, and it it's as much as I could have bought a mu- used motorcycle. That's because gaming now is like a whole industry, and like people just people spend like ridiculous amounts of money, and they they. The, it's adults, you know, it's adults who are gaming. Back then, it was all children. It was just, you're a young kid, and you didn't have, your parents didn't want you to play outside because they thought you were going to buy crack. So they they needed you to play inside, and this was a conduit to do it. So all the things that you needed to game were, like, super simple. It was like, I had one controller, it had, like, eight buttons, you know, maybe maybe 12 buttons. And at the most, if somebody had a steering wheel, it was like, that was the greatest thing you'd ever see. It was, like, amazing. You would, we, people would come over your house for blocks and blocks away. People would come over from the next town because they'd be like, hey, did you know that you know, Jason just got, he got the steering wheel. It's got a steering wheel. You put it on your lap, and then it has two pedals, and it's like you drive a car. And, then every, and that was it. That was your entire weekend was we're going to go over, stay over Jason's, and everybody wants to be his best friend. And so it was like this, this was a real, you know, this was your gateway to a much larger world uh, when, you were, when you were six years old. That, and that's what I got that Christmas. That's what, so it was like, I, you know, the discoveries of the things that the Super Nintendo could do just, just kept delivering. It was like, oh, wait, I can go get, now I can go rent video games, and there's different types of games. There's action games and adventure games and strategy games and role-playing games, and just like, oh, it just, it was endless. It was, it was just endless. The worlds that you could explore on this thing. So that's why it was the greatest Christmas. I mean, I don't know if that, you know, you were talking about needing a punchline to this thing, but. Uh, 
you know, well, I'm my, telling you that well, the, the, my, the punchline was just the rest of my childhood in, of wonder. Well, you know, it's interesting because I'm just want to go back to what you said before that about, about, uh, you know, about gaming. There's a, there's a, there's a flip side to that, which is your generation missed out on the incredible social dynamic of the arcade and again, I don't know how much yes. experience you have with actual arcades, but you know those things existed back when I was a kid. Because again, the oh, yeah. the games were physical, you know, console things or pinball machines or foosball tables, and the certain the certain you know demographic of kid would spend their time at the arcade, and that demographic tended to be, and I hate to typecast here or to whatever I'm doing um, that's politically incorrect, but it's just the truth <laughs> of the matter is, you know, it was kind of the burnout kid. And I think that term probably disappeared at some point in our American cultural history. I really don't know if that term yeah. resonates with well, you or not. Yeah, no one really, that that my generation, would, that term had fallen out by the time, you know, I came around. But I, I'm familiar with it. There's a legacy of that term. Just like nobody used groovy, but we understand what kind of burnout meant. Yeah. So the burnout was the, you know, the kid who typically was not a jock, although there were some burnouts who were jocks. Uh, that tended to be rare. And they just, you know, the, the kids who smoked, the kids who did drugs. Uh, the arcade was the place to buy drugs. That was, you know, that was sort of its second purpose. The first purpose was to be an arcade. The second purpose was to, to be a just drug. Just to go buy drugs. To, to be a drug dispensary. And it's funny because I've been in arcades in, a number of different places because I sort of straddled, I sort of straddled both the jock class and the burnout class as one who, you know, used to dabble in some things back in the day. And arcades always had this very specific smell. And I cannot even remotely describe it. I, I really, like, I can smell it right now. I know what that smell is. If you took me back and put me inside an arcade and didn't tell me where I was and said, where are you? I would be able to say arcade based on smell. But it was so weird Got because I, I don't, I don't, and I don't even have a theory. I don't even know. It wasn't, a, and it wasn't really a bad smell. It was just an arcade smell, and it was just weird that you, the things that you remember. Uh, but I, I, I really enjoyed like that, that thing. The fact that that existed. The fact that you could go there. The fact, yeah. That, and I know that there's, there's like modern day like Dave and Buster's. I've never been in a Dave and Buster's. I don't Ugh, know exactly yeah, what that is, is but I know they have. They have games, like I'm describing, right? Yep. Yep. But I've never it's been true. in one. In fact, there is one within, you know, four or five miles of where I am right now that I've driven past a thousand times. Is it basically designed for adults? It is. And it's, uh, but it's also frustrating because it's like, it's designed for adults, but people bring their kids and the whole thing is ruined. And I mean, it's like the, th the thing, so I caught the tail end of the arcade experience. Like I was probably when I was about five or six years old is just the last gasp of, of arcades uh, because they still existed. There was a handful of them and one of them um, in Ann Arbor, Pinball Pete's is still like, oh, yeah. that's still going strong. No, I know it is. In fact, I've, I mean, I rid, I've ridden my, I, not anymore, but I rode my motorcycle past that place 50 times. I know exactly where it is. Yeah. It's, uh, so we used to go there a lot in college and even in high school, that was kind of the destination spot. But it's like, because it, it, it created its own culture, like it had its own ecosystem that occurred around Pinball Pete specifically. Um, and also it was because 
I think it, it was, I mean, it occupied a, a very specific social place, like you're describing, where people could buy drugs or sell drugs or just kind of hang out. And it was like, you know, it was the Starbucks before Starbucks existed to like teenagers and middle school kids. Do basically. people buy drugs at Starbucks it, now? Uh, I mean, caffeine's a drug if you want to be really technical about it. Uh, but look, what I'm trying to say is that like that whole, I caught the tail end of that experience and that, and that was like, it was magical because, and I know that sounds maybe overblown or, or hyperbolic or something, but it was like you, it was your own space. It was a space where there wasn't adults and it was dark and it felt like, you know, oh man, this is just a very unique and interesting place. I remember even being a kid, like scared to go into the arcade because of it was like a, it was like a, some kind of temple of entertainment or something. Like it was, you walked in and it was dark and there was all these video games and you had to go exchange money for these special tokens that then you could put right in the machines. And, you know, and it was, uh, and then all of the greatest people who were there had, they were like celebrities because they had their initials and in the high scores of every game. Yes. And so like people knew, and some kids even wore like, some kids were so serious. They wore like gloves. They wore like a glove so that they didn't get a blister on their hand from using the, you know, the, the, the joystick or the paddle, you know? Wow. And yeah, I mean, like, I remember like that was a, that was a thing. And we used to crowd around and watch some guy, you know, break a high score on some video game. And he was just in the zone, you know? Yeah. I remember, I remember that. And that, but the Super Nintendo ended that because that that took the experience out of the arcade and put it into your parents' basement where they could check on you and make sure that your towel was okay. Right. Yeah. So video killed the radio star and uh, video games killed the arcade, I guess. It doesn't have the same rhythmic quality to it, does it? No, it doesn't. But I think the truth is that parents really just ruined everything. I think that it, it was a parent's... You're, when you're a child... It's a very, you know, you live in a strange world because your parents are both the source of all of the good things that happen to you and also the, just, they're ruining all the, there's like, because they're the source of all the good things that happen to you, they're just cutting you off somewhere and you're just angry that they didn't, they're like, what do you mean I only get to watch one hour of television? Like that kind of thing. Right. Like they have the TV, they're the gatekeeper and you're like, I just don't understand why you're not letting me have the best time I could possibly have right now. Imagine what it's like now though, because again, uh, we're another full iteration sort of past your, whatever, you know, whatever we call your, your demographic group, you know, you're 30 and millennials. So now we have this, this, uh, this demographic that was raised with Netflix. So imagine, imagine a parent today saying, you no more TV for you, Brendan. And you're like, no problem. I'll just go in my bedroom and watch Netflix on my iPad. How are you going to stop me from doing that? Yeah. I mean, it's like yep. the access that we have to, you know, whatever we want, whenever we want it. I can't imagine, oh, yeah. like, I can't imagine what it would be like to grow up with that. Because on one hand... I mean, hand, just the pure, unbridled, uncut access. Yeah. You know? On one hand, it's the best thing ever because it just is. I mean, it just obviously is. Let me give you a real-life example. So uh, my house lacks proper humidification. So in the winter... Like right now, it's outrageously dry in my house to the point where I can't put on an article of clothing, especially the stuff I like to wear every day, which is like a long sleeve Nike um, dry fit T-shirt. And, um, and when I go to the gym, you know, wearing gym shorts, that stuff is so full of static electricity that it's almost unwearable. It's really bad. So anyway, that's, mm. that's irrelevant. The point is I, I bought a humidifier a couple of years ago 
uh, like just a portable one that you have on the ground that has wheels and you can move it around, whatever. And I hadn't used it for a while, and it, things have gotten so bad that I had to pull that back out this morning and fire it back up, and I hadn't used it in a while. I couldn't find yep. the manual. And so I thought, okay. okay, I want to see how long it takes me to solve this problem. So what I did was I went onto Amazon.com to my order history because I knew I bought it from you know through Amazon. I, yep. I find the product in about you know 15 seconds because I buy a lot of stuff from Amazon, and this was purchased in 2015. So you know, I had to go back a little ways. I then click, you know, I then highlight the name of the product and click search Google for that. I, yep. I then scan the search result about the fourth item down. It's the Honeywell website, which is the manufacturer of the humidifier. I click on that. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, I go to that page and this like one of the main tabs is manual. I click on that. There's the manual for the product. I scan down. I find exactly what I'm looking for because there's very specific instructions for what you have to do with the filter in this thing. It's a very large filter. You have to soak it in water before you use it. Yeah. And I thought that was the case, but I wanted to confirm that. Anyway, from the first thought I had. If we could, I just really wish we could dive deeper into how you got to treat this filter. (laughs) Anyway, the point of this is it took me maybe 75 seconds from the idea. Uh To the completion. To the, to the answer. Yeah. That's a, that, what you just described is an entire weekend project for someone back in 90s. Yeah. Because it would be like, uh, I can't find the manual and okay, I can read. I got to go to the, I got to go to the store. hardware store. Yeah. I got to talk to somebody. They're, they got to, they tell me the wrong thing. I go back home. I, they, we had a miscommunication and I didn't have the right serial thing and the number or whatever. That's just, that 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 was my entire dad's life for my entire childhood. That was his entire that was his entire life was going to Meyer and getting things wrong and coming home and going back. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because I've done that a bunch too. I have, you know, spent entire weekends trying to resolve something simple. Like for example, yeah. I bought I have this uh, really high-end uh propane powered barbecue grill that is phenomenal. And I had a problem setting it up originally. And I think I made four trips to Home Depot over the course of like a day and a half. And, uh, you know, it's that kind of thing. It's really easy to to spend large chunks of time solving simple problems, as everyone knows. But the internet just shortcuts that, you know, to such an extent. And duh, like who doesn't know that? But yeah, but like if you didn't, but here's the thing, it's easy to forget that that's the way the world was. And it's easy to yeah. not know that if you didn't live there. Like, I mean, it's so weird. Cause I didn't even have a cell phone until I was, I think I was like 17 and I just started driving and my parents gave me one and they were like, it was this old, big, stupid looking one that somebody could have used to like, you know, to like vibrate their genitals. But they were, <laughs> they were like, here's the cell phone. You can got to use it in emergencies only. And, and, and that's literally what it meant. It was like, because if you dialed the phone, it would be you were like it was like a dollar fifty a minute. Right. It was nuts. Right. And I didn't use it except in emergencies. Like that w- and I so which meant I I didn't use it. Because like I just didn't ever have an I never had an emergency. And then I remember getting a second phone, which was still it was like after that, that's when they came up with family plans. And my parents got one and they were like, You just can't they were like, You don't wanna you don't use it again and except for emergencies. And that was 
only the beginning of like, oh, we get free nights and weekends. Starting at you know eight o'clock on a Friday, actually, I can make all the calls and texts I want. So it was like you just went nuts for the weekend, calling and texting people, and then during the week you just didn't ever use it. And that was my senior year of high school. I had that phone, and then into college is when like the razor and the crazer and all that bullshit came out, and that's when like people had those stupid ringtones that everybody had their own fucking ringtone. And uh, now I don't even have a ringtone. I just have my iPhone. Just literally, it just vibrates. Anyway, the point is, is it's like, it's funny how fast that changed and how like I, I kind of, I almost can't in a certain kind of way, I can't even recall the way that, that things were like you were playing, like I would play with kids in the, in the, um, neighborhood, you know what I mean? By running around and just, you just run into them and then you would just go be like, Hey, let's go run down the Creek and we're going to build a fort by out by the, behind the, um, you know, the store on Can Center Road or something like that. Right. And that's how that's you just made these ad hoc plans. And if you had to plan something, it was like you had to actually like in advance go like, okay, so at you're we're gonna get out of school and then we're gonna go walk to the parking lot at the corner of Canton Center Road and you know, wherever, a uh, Warren or something like that. And then that, we're going to wait there. We're going to buy uh, crazy bread. And then we're going to head over to Jason's because he got the steering wheel for the thing. And we're going to stay there for the, and that's going to be our weekend. And, and you had to let your parents know. And for a lot of the time, your parents didn't really actually even know where you were. Right. And they would call Jason's parents and go like, is Brennan there? And then they, they would be like, yeah, he was, he's here. Or they would be like, no, he's not here. He was just here and we kicked him out because he was he was playing with Jason's steering wheel too much. Right. Like Well that was the whole that was the whole childhood thing. I can't even imagine now it must be you just your parents have like a GP you have a fucking GPS unit in your pocket. Well like you, you know, can't yeah, they, ever they, no one's off the radar. Yeah, well they do have technology where you can you know you, you can locate where a phone is at any time. But the the point I was really making there is that to to grow up in a world where You've always had access to everything whenever you want it. Has to be such a radical departure from what you were just describing and what I lived. You know, it's just yeah. And, it, and it, we could go off on that tangent for a long time, and, and we probably shouldn't because we're we're so far away from our original topic now. But I do want to I do want to tell one quick little story because it's so it's so relevant to what some things you just said. Um, there have been in the cor- over the course of my life, there have been maybe five things that I've ever said directly to another person that I regretted saying, like the minute I said it. And one of them, I said to your mom, Brendan. And it's interesting mm. because she, uh, she Facebook messaged me the other day saying that she had just listened to one of our podcasts and telling me how... <laughs> and, was, and was horrified? <laughs> no, she said she really enjoyed it and look, was looking forward to listening to more. So uh, she probably listened to the one about Kaylee's wedding. And, and ironically, literally a minute ago... Kaylee's husband liked our UnkView page on Facebook. So Yeah, I just saw that. That's uh, So uh, apparently he listened to it uh, too. But anyway, the point I'm making is that a couple years ago we were at dinner and it was a I believe it was uh either my mom's birthday or something like that and the the extended family gathered at a restaurant in Brighton, a very nice restaurant in Brighton. You weren't there, but uh anyway, you know, all the adult children and were there. They're probably like, you know, I don't know, 12 or some number of people there. Sure. And I don't know, I don't recall the exact words that were said, but the gist of it was your mom had a phone in her hand and we were talking about cell phones. And 
I don't know what possessed me to say this because I regretted it. Like even as it was coming out of my mouth, I thought, what are you saying, asshole? But I said something <laughs> like, um, uh, you know, how many years old is that phone? And I said it in a very sarcastic tone as if to suggest that this phone was ancient because it yeah, was this is it was old phone. it was a classic you know flip phone it, classic phone shame so it was a it, classic classic mcclure phone shame yes so so you know i said something like that and your mom you know she was very classy in response and her response was i just got this last week and i yeah. felt so terrible and this is so i'm telling this story because this is an apology to her that if she's listening karen I am so sorry that I was such a dick. I genuinely, honestly thought the phone was several years old, and that doesn't excuse what I did in any way. I understand that. I'm just trying to explain. And so, the you know, at that point, it was just like I I I, I recall like sliding back and down in my chair as if to to attempt to physically disappear, and I of course had nowhere to go, and uh, and that was that. So. <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> back to back to the topic that we have strayed so far from. That if you're listening to this, and odds are you aren't, but if you're listening to this, you don't even remember what the topic is because, quite frankly, I'm struggling to remember. These were supposed to be Christmas stories, so this all originated with Brendan's uh, six-year-old Brendan's erection over uh, over Super the Super Nintendo fucking Nintendo Super fucking Nintendo. So we have to have at least one more story. So give me another. Yeah. What I don't, you gotta get. Come on, dude. I don't you, have this any. This is in the spirit I, of sharing. You don't have any. I don't. You have any? You don't have any, no, well, you have any Christmas stories? Uh, not even poignant. Not even. I, I have one, but when I'm done with it, you'll say, "God, I wish you hadn't wasted time with that." But I'll, I'll try. I'll say it as fast as I can. This is the first okay. thing I think of when I think of Christmas. I'm, I don't know how old I am. I'm really young. I'm probably five, and my parents both worked uh, when I was young, and they both, you know went to work and dropped me off at a neighbor's house and she was my babysitter. Her name was Clara Grinstead and she was a wonderful woman and she was a great babysitter. But I remember that uh, she had this, so she had this thing and I don't even recall exactly how it manifested physically, but it was a countdown mm -hmm. to Christmas. And it was like the Santa, yeah. a little like, uh, you know, a three-dimensional Santa in his sleigh being pulled by reindeer that was probably like yeah. six inches long. That thing yep. moved along like a, you know, a, a like a pathway, a track or a path. Right. And there were numbers next to it. So Christmas was yeah. 10, nine, eight, seven. And so, oh, yeah, I just, and as a kid, you're just the emotional temperature of, right. the, of it just rises with every time you, Oh, did it move six inches? Yeah. And you like start freaking out. Yeah. And I just remember how, you know, it's just amazing how your sense of time changes with age where now a year feels like a month, literally to me at my age, it really does go that fast. Back then, 10 days felt like eight years. And it's just amazing how a day takes forever when you're anticipating Christmas as a five-year-old or a seven-year-old or whatever I was. Oh yeah, that night before Christmas is a, a fucking eternity. Right, and all through the house. I mean... <laughs> Nobody was moving around much, not even those fucking rodents. But uh, literally, that's it. I mean, there it is. I mean, aren't you aren't you sad that I took the time to tell that story? No, that was a very poignant. That was a very special Christmas moment. That was a that was a 
You should put that in a coffee table book. McClure's Christmas Moments. And it's a half page. Michael McClure. It's a half page book. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's funny. Just a I don't book. have a I don't have page. a lot of memories. It's just a hardcover. It's just a hard. Right. It's it's, just it's too thick hardcover, a front and a back, and then there's just a half page in it. In it. It's like a '70s record album. Like you just leave <laughs> leave it on your right <laughs> on your coffee table. So I don't know what that says about me that I have so few memories of of Christmas, but I really truly have that few memories. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe, uh, who knows why I have, uh, I got another, I don't know. I mean, who knows why I just think, I think, uh, I, I have that one good memory of Christmas. Most other Christmases are kind of, they kind of blend together, you know, cause cause you never get, I mean, I hate to say this, but it's like when you're a kid, it's like, you're, you're the self, you're just super selfish and all you want is the, you want the fucking loot. You want the loot. The good news Santa brought down the, yeah, the good news is that good, never changes. <laughs> that it doesn't change at all. Um, but I mean, like you, most other Christmases, they blend together, and because it's just you're like, ah, oh, this is all just good stuff, you know. Um, I I remember having a handful of kind of underwhelming Christmases, but this is one that I want to kind of talk about, not because it has anything to do with the holiday itself, but it, it just kind of was Christmas time. Also, we're, we've only got <clears throat> we're up on time, so this is are we really? This is another free. I mean, we're coming up on, I think, 45 minutes here or wow. something like that. So far, like, there's nothing um, that I would want to listen to as a podcast listener. I have to tell you this, though. This is one of my most enjoyable recordings of this podcast sessions. Yeah. What, are you kidding? This is, this is great. Awesome. Well, at least yeah, you'll listen I, to maybe. it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to listen to this again and again. Just if, if nothing else, so I can just hear myself go, super fucking Nintendo, really close to this microphone. Right. This really cheap uh, microphone. Look, so this is this Christmas story that I got to tell you. I came back from Iraq college. And I came back from college. I never went to Iraq. I don't even know if Iraq exists in real life. Uh, I came back from Iraq and uh, college. I came back from college and I, I, it was a very weird time. This was uh, my sophomore year. I came back. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Eh. This was I had this general malaise, and I started hanging out with these guys who you might call burnouts. I don't know if your generation used that word, but I'm using that word. Okay, we can go with and that. And I was hanging out with this group of burnouts, uh, and just for the winter time, I didn't want to hang out with my normal friends because they were too, you know what I mean? It was just like, I didn't want to be my who I was around them at that point, if that makes any sense. And I decided we we decided we were like what are we going to do it's around the christmas time and one of our friends was like hey look you know what's what we should do is that there's all these places that they throw out all the best christmas stuff they just throw it out like and it's going to go in the trash behind these stores and a lot of it is like it's got like one problem with it you know what i mean right. like they like it's got like one ding and we can go dumpster dive and get all this stuff and i was like yeah let's do that sounds great so we literally went around Novi and around uh, Livonia to at the different like malls and stuff, just d- dumpster diving day after day around Christmas time. And we found so much stuff. We found so much stuff that was like, it was exactly like it was, I mean, because here's the thing, you hear that story and you, you think that is so stupid. That's a good way to get pricked with an HIV needle. That's a good way to step on some glass and get your foot all cut up. 
That's a, this sounds like a dumb story. You're never going to find anything. We found everything. There were so many things that people were throwing away from these stores that were totally fine. We're talking about like, you know, clothing. We're talking about, I mean, a Carhartt jacket with just like what it's got a hole in the neck. Like that's it. Whatever. You really? I'd still wear it if I owned it. Wow. Yeah. We're talking about like furniture. Like somebody bought an office chair that was uh, totally fine, except it just it was missing like one wheel. And it was like, whatever. It's got like eight casters on it. It's, it's got seven. It's supposed to have eight. And we took, I mean, everything we took, we could have outfitted such a great white trash home cobbled together from all the things that we just found from the backs of these dumpsters. And uh, it was like a Christmas miracle, if I'm being totally honest. And if you're being totally dishonest, what was it? It was not a Christmas miracle. So if I'm being dishonest, I would say, I would say, I just a little bit, I feel bad because I think that real white trash people could have needed that stuff. So, um, so if, but why did you do this? Did you, did you only do it, do this, this one season? The one time. That's the only time I did it. It's the only time I, that I went and did that. Why uh, did you not do I, it again? I, uh, cause I mean, it's not, you know, it's not really, it's kind of off brand for me. It kind of became all uh, my brand presence shifted. Ah, <laughs> uh, I see. You, so you didn't want to lead was, with dumps, like on your resume, you didn't want to lead. Yeah. I didn't want to point it. Experience. to bring a woman back. Diver. Yeah, I didn't want to bring a girl back to my, you know, apartment and then point at an object and go like, yeah, I actually, I, I trash, I, I picked that. I trash picked it. How, how hot am I? Extremely. Not a, yeah. So you're dumpster diving. I mean, we, we started with six-year-old erection and we end with dumpster diving. I mean, this is a classy show we put on week in and week out, don't you think? I think so. I mean, we would take that stuff and we would sell it and then we would use the money to go play laser tag. You know, it's pretty much my my definition of utopia that you just described right there. <laughs> I don't know how life gets our, any sweeter our own or better. Private, our own private laser utopia. <laughs> You're living in your own private laser utopia. Ugh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was a real... No, hyperbole aside, that was a real story that really happened. That I really did that on an entire... Did that an entire uh, entire holiday season with a, a handful of people once. Well, that and, reminds uh, me. It, actually, that <clears throat> reminds me of a story that involves you and me. And uh, in fact, it was like the last thing that I would say that we quote did together physically. Uh, I mean, not not counting this podcast. But if you remember when, in fact, it was. God, I want to say it was. It feels like it was about a year ago. Maybe it was a little bit longer. But I needed help moving some furniture out of my house. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and this, so that was a holiday. That's a holiday story too. It was okay. So I do have a holiday story. So I'll tell. I'll tell this. <laughs> so I had uh, I remodeled large uh, chunks of my house and converted some rooms from their previous functions into new functions. Like I'm now sitting in uh, what used to be uh, a basically a bedroom off of the master bedroom in my home, and now it's my office. And I got rid of the carpet that was here and put in hardwood floors, as I did in a couple rooms. But anyway, there is a sliding glass door that leads to this covered second-story porch that has, like, a ceramic tile floor with a drain. And it's just a great, like, you know, all-season sort of, especially for warm-weather room. Irrelevant. But the point is, I had this really old sectional. A couch that I purchased literally back in like 1991, 
close to the time you were having an erection over a video game. And so I <laughs> wanted to get rid of this sectional along with some other stuff. And to take it downstairs from where it was would have been really difficult. And I just painted all these walls and didn't want to damage them. And so I came up with this idea that we're just going to take the the couch off of uh, uh, or out onto this porch that I just described through this sliding glass door, and we're just going to throw it off onto my driveway, and then we'll put it in Brendan Brendan's father's truck, which he had borrowed, and then, well, we'll just figure out what to do with it from there. So we did that. Yeah. So we did that. <laughs> yep. And, uh, well, first of all, it wasn't as easy to get the stuff out the sliding glass door and then throw it over, over you know, this... Uh, ledge down onto the to the driveway but we then had to make multiple trips because these pieces were large and so i came up with this brilliant idea which is hey there's a office park that's like less than a mile from where i live and i bet you they have you know dumpsters behind and this is actually we're going to call this the dumpster diving episode they have dumpsters <laughs> behind these offices. Dumpster dive. And we're going to find We're going to find a dumpster that's, you know, empty and we're going to fill it with a sectional. <laughs> and so over the course of the next hour or so that's what we did and we took these pieces and I don't know how many trips it was. It was I want to say 3 um trips and it was this was work. I mean, this stuff was heavy. And, you know, like one piece basically almost filled the dumpster. So we had to, we, I think we moved to, I think we used several different dumpsters. But I thought to myself, you know, what did the people who worked in these offices think when, like, they were taking the trash out the next Monday uh, and they throw the lid open on this dumpster and it's full of couch? <laughs> and, uh, you know. I'm not proud of it, but that's what we did because I just couldn't think of a good alternative. And interestingly, after we did that, I continued that trend for a while because I divested myself of all kinds of things that I just didn't want anymore. And yeah. I just kept going back to the dumpster and filling it with stuff. So I think uh, I, my favorite moment was just throwing the shit over the balcony on the back of your house. That was and hearing it crack there was when something it landed. So there was something so cathartic about that. There was. There was just kind of you're just like yeah fuck this shit and then you just throw it out the back. Yeah, that was a that was my Christmas miracle last year. <laughs> yeah, so it's a if we look back on this episode, given what the original topic was, what we've come up with is so absolutely sad. And slash embarrassing slash, I don't know what the hell this says about us, but it ain't good. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you know what? That's the beauty of the Young Few podcast is that we are, if nothing else, yes, we're not talented. Yes, we're not even remotely entertaining. Yes, we're not. Yes. Are we entertaining? No. Yes. Do we have interesting voices? Not even a little. We check. Do we have anything? Did we prepare anything fascinating for you to listen to? Not a chance. We check. None of the boxes when it comes to successful <laughs> podcasting, but we are authentic and real and honest. So, you know, yeah, that's what we keep telling so ourselves. Put that in your Christmas miracle and smoke it, all you dumpster divers. Yes. So, uh, if if uh, we must, I'm not keeping track of time, but we must be running up close to an hour, and I think that we've punished people. Yeah, probably yep. enough. We're about this an topic. hour. Uh, this was our attempt to have a holiday show. What do you think? I love I love the F I actually really like this. <laughs> All right. If we're 
If 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 Trump hasn't hasn't uh, caused World War Three by next year, we need to do a repeat of this episode. Did you really just say we, that? And we we got to call it. We got to call it Christmas miracles. Did you really just say I that? I did. I did say that. That was to get you wound up for our next episode. Well, I already was wound up when we got on the when we started the show because I I had an exchange with a, a dude who was my best friend when I was in I'll say sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. And the reason he stopped being my best friend is because he moved and he moved to Canton uh, from Northville. In fact, his dad was the principal of Northville High School, where I went to high school. And uh, so he, he and I are diametrically opposed politically, and I thought I had mm. blocked him on Facebook, but apparently I didn't because he chimed in on a comment I made and got me all jacked up. And so we've exchanged, uh, you know, we've exchanged punches here on Facebook, and I'm about to block him for real. Actually, I did block him for real. but So I was oh, already man. jacked up. I didn't need to be jacked up further, but... You know, hey, one final thing. You didn't come to the Christmas party? No, I didn't. Why not? Yeah, no, I didn't come to the Christmas party. I uh I was very I I was not in a good I just was not in a good place to go do it. I was very uh I've been traveling a lot. I was kind of sick. The weather was bad. I was I felt like this feels like I'm pushing it really hard. I'm also going to see probably all those people back um I had a lot to do too, so I basically just stayed home and got 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 things done that I kind of needed to to get done. So I feel uh, I I felt bad about it, and I still feel a little bit bad about it. But I mean, part of the reason I wanted to go was to meet Sean and and Becca's new baby, and that the baby didn't even baby didn't even show up. Baby did not make an appearance. Right. Yeah. In so, fact, once I once I found out, like you know, who ended up showing up and not showing up, it's. Uh, it was unfortunate. A lot of people didn't show up, and now I I feel badly too. I was uh, uh, I didn't feel great, but that you know, in retrospect, I probably could have and should have gone, and I now feel badly. So, if any of those people are listening, which I'm sure they aren't, this is again, this is my apology tour. This podcast is Unk apologizes. This podcast to, is a lot of things. He apologizes <laughs> to a number of people he's offended. Of course, not all of them, because who has that kind of time? <laughs> I don't know. You're pretty efficient at it. <laughs> I'm efficient at offending. I'm not sure about apologizing. Well, I think that I think if our family is listening, which is maybe our only audience. No, it's, uh, no, it's guaranteed we, our only non-audience. <laughs> and I think we both apologize for not going to the family Christmas. It's an important part, and it has always been of my holiday experience. And, and this year, it kind of everything sort of came off the rails. I think. I mean, I just got back from L.A. and I was. Don't do Don't dance around. The real stuff, reason so. is politics. Let's just be honest. The good news is I mean part of it was, I think. The, well, not for you, for me. The good news is the good news is I think everything will be smoothed over by next year and we can resume our normal, you know, plastic um uh participation in such things. La although last year was awesome. Last year was a really good time. I, I had a wonderful time. It really was. Yeah, yeah it was. But um, then the election happened well, and that sort of changed everything. And everything, everything kind of got all, or, well, uh, this was a very, this was a very special episode. It was. This was a very, this was a very special episode of Unkview. In the today. pantheon of Unkview episodes, this will go down in infamy, for certain. <laughs> I just wanted to use the term pantheon. I just really hope this gets the most, if this guy, if this episode got our most listens, like, like by an order of magnitude different. I can from like <laughs> I can sort of assure you that won't happen. Just to just to sort of level you off before you get too high. <laughs> but in any event, all right, we should have ended this about eight minutes ago. So 
Um, thank you for sharing those stories, Brendan. Um, the, the, the was entertaining. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on our next episode of UncView. And we're recording this on December 20th, 2016. So just want to say uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everyone. We really do hope you have a great time with uh, people. Surround yourself with those that you love and or can tolerate, whichever applies to you. And we look forward to seeing you uh, very soon. Any last words? Yep. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you soon.